This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You're listening to SBS News. In 2017, 250 Indigenous leaders from around the country gathered at Uluru. There, they formulated and endorsed the Uluru Statement from the Heart. This simple yet poetic set of words called for three things, voice, treaty and truth. Here is member of the Referendum Council, Professor Megan Davis, reading part of the statement for the first time on the red dirt floor of the convention. We seek constitutional reforms to empower our people and take a rightful place in our own country. When we have power over our destiny, our children will flourish. They will walk in two worlds and their culture will be a gift to their country. We call for the establishment of a First Nations voice enshrined in the Constitution. It's taken six years, but Australia is now being asked to vote on this request to alter the Constitution. In just a few months, Australians will be asked to vote yes or no in answer to the question, do you support a change to the Constitution to recognise the First Peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice? But what exactly is the voice? According to the government's First Nations referendum working group, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice would be... A permanent body to make representations to the Australian Parliament and the Executive Government on legislation and policy of significance to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. It will further the self-determination of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples by giving them a greater say on matters that affect them. Pat Anderson is a member of the Referendum Working Group. She says the voice is needed because Australia must do better when it comes to its First Peoples. It's a universal truism that when you involve people that you're making decisions for, you make better decisions and you better allocation of all the resources that are required. This is fundamental to any democracy. And you know Australia is one of the few liberal democracies in the world that does not have any arrangement, any settlement with its First Peoples. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has consistently said the referendum is about two things, recognition and consultation. And he says he's confident that achieving this will help close the gap in Indigenous disadvantage. And we urgently need better outcomes because it's not good enough where we're at in 2023. On every measure, there is a gap between the lives of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and the national average. A 10-year gap in life expectancy, a suicide rate twice as high, tragic levels of child mortality and disease, a massive overrepresentation in the prison population, in deaths in custody, in children sent to out-of-home care. And this is not because of a shortage of goodwill 
or good intentions on any side of politics, and that's not because of a lack of funds. It's because governments have spent decades trying to impose solutions from Canberra rather than consulting with communities. The idea of a voice is far from a new concept. According to Reconciliation Australia, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders have been calling for a political voice in one form or another for close to a century. The Minister for Indigenous Australians, Linda Burney, says the voice is part of the unfinished business of reconciliation. She says it should be honoured for the simple reason that it's what Indigenous leaders have asked for after an exhaustive and thorough process that was initiated by government. The unfinished business of our failure to recognise Indigenous Australians in, who had coexisted on this continent for more than 65,000 years. Now, 122 years after the Australian Constitution was formed, more than 80 years since William Cooper uh, had his petition, 35 years since the Barunga Statement, 30 years since Keating's Redfern speech, 16 years since John Howard promised a referendum to recognize, for recognition, 15 years since the apology, 13 years since the expert panel on constitutional recognition and six years, everyone, since the Uluru Statement from the heart. The question must surely be asked, how much longer do Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have to wait for recognition? When will we finally resolve this unfinished business? So why does the voice need to be enshrined in the Constitution? The Indigenous leaders involved argue that constitutional recognition alone is merely symbolic. They say enshrining the voice in the Constitution will ensure it cannot be influenced or abolished by any future government, as previous advisory groups such as ATSIC were. Opponents argue it could simply be legislated for, as previous bodies have been. But Marsha Langton, a key architect of the Voice and member of the referendum working group says this has been tried before and failed. Each one of us here has been involved in a major initiative the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, the inquiry into the forced removal of Aboriginal children from their families, um, the Dondale Royal Commission. Uh, I could go on and on. And in each case, we have doggedly recommended changes to stop the deaths, the incarceration, the early deaths and the miserable lives and it is so infrequently that our recommendations are adopted. This is why we cannot report on many improvements in the closing the gap indicators and each year people like you come along to listen to that misery fest and each year, people go away wringing their hands. We're here to draw a line in the sand and say, this has to change, people's lives have to improve. And we know from the evidence 
that what improves people's lives is when they get a say, and that's what this is about. And why does the voice come before the Uluru Statement's calls for treaty and truth? Advocates say it's because to achieve a treaty, the government needs a representative body to negotiate with, something that currently doesn't exist. The authors of the Uluru Statement have called it an invitation to the Australian people from First Nations Australians, asking them to walk together to build a better future. Indigenous leader Noel Pearson is one of the Voice's chief architects and proponents. Really, it's not a matter of recognising us. It's a matter of recognising yourselves, recognising what being an Australian is. If if you don't recognise the place of Indigenous people in your idea of Australia, then what kind of idea of Australia do you have? We won't truly recognise ourselves as Australians until there's a proper place of Indigenous people in that idea of Australia. Polls have repeatedly shown the Australian public broadly supports constitutional recognition of the country's original inhabitants. But as the debate drags on, support for this particular voice proposal has been slipping. The government had hoped for bipartisan support. History shows a referendum is unlikely to succeed without it. But the coalition has instead chosen to back the no campaign. Opposition leader Peter Dutton has dubbed the proposal the Canberra Voice and is warning that any change to the Constitution is permanent. If a voice is embedded in the Constitution, the Parliament can't change the voice or pass laws to override it. The Parliament cannot out-legislate the Constitution. If Australians have buyer's remorse, the voice comes with a no-returns policy. It's here to stay. And yet this institution hasn't even been road-tested. It hasn't been legislated, as has been the case in South Australia, and the Albanese government has this option available, open to them today. The opposition's chief prosecutor on the issue is Indigenous Affairs spokeswoman Jacinta Numbagimpa-Price, who's also a senator for the Northern Territory. She questions the claims that The Voice will have practical benefits for Indigenous people. And she says The Voice debate is distracting from the real issues facing Indigenous communities. We're being put on hold until this referendum is done and real issues aren't being addressed immediately because the Albanese government is suggesting that it is a voice to parliament that is the only thing that is going to solve some of our tough issues, which is completely and utterly untrue. It is his responsibility, it is the Minister for Indigenous Australians' responsibility to address these immediate concerns that are taking place right here, right now. Other criticisms include that the voice proposal lacks detail, is racially divisive and is vulnerable to legal challenges. Warren Mundine is spokesman for the No campaign. My view on the voice to parliament is, is it's a total waste of money. You know, there's 300 and something million dollars being spent, which could be spent on community projects out there in the regions of remote Australia. It is built on a falsehood that Aboriginal people don't have a voice. We've always had a voice and we've had always a strong voice ever since 1973. So my thing is that we need to get economic development, jobs, uh, education 
and investment into those communities and building businesses. That will be the only thing that will make the difference. But not all those opposed to The Voice are on the same team. Unlike the coalition, independent Victorian Senator Lydia Thorpe says The Voice does not go far enough. Earlier this year, Lydia Thorpe quit the Greens over its support of The Voice and now says she is representing the Black Sovereign Movement in her opposition. She's instead calling for a treaty and the full implementation of the recommendations of the 1991 Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. You are crucifying us again, giving us no power. If you were genuine, give us Senate seats in here, like they do in New Zealand. Have a treaty, like they do. Why can't we do that? What are you scared of, Labor? Hawke got sidelined by his Conservatives at the time and told not to pursue treaty. You know that. Keating tried. He got shut down. And Albo's obviously got no guts. The referendum is expected to be held any time between October and November. A date is yet to be announced. To get up, the vote will need a majority of voters in a majority of states, a high bar to reach. Proponents say they remain optimistic and are appealing to Australians' better natures to get the job done. But many remain concerned that the yes message is not cutting through and that debate is sowing misinformation, doubt and confusion. It remains to be seen if advocates can and turn things around before referendum day. Claire Slattery, SBS News.